Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, PA. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This talk continues week three of our series, Unwrapping the Perfect Gift. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. The candle of peace has been lit. And it reminds us that the arrival of Jesus was actually designed to not only bring peace into the world, but also bring peace into our lives. And I think we can probably all agree that a dose of peace is a great gift. It really is. Even scripture speaks to this. Part of our Advent reading was from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it talks about the arrival, the coming of this infant. And it says, For a child, speaking of Jesus, is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called. And here comes the list of names. <clears throat> he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, say the word with me, peace. It's interesting because Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to have peace with God. He's also the one who makes it possible for us to be in harmony with each other. So think about this for a moment. When we trust in Jesus alone to save us, to rescue us, He makes it possible for us to be at peace with God. He delivers that for us. And that's a wonderful thing. Living then the way that Jesus lived, which was always others first. Others first. So living the way that Jesus lived, others first, now makes it possible for us to be in harmony with each other. So trusting in Jesus alone to save us, to rescue us, gives us peace with God living the way that Jesus lived, others first, and embracing that kind of lifestyle makes it very possible for us to be in harmony with each other. There's something very sacrificial about peace. And perhaps one of the biggest challenges that we experience when we don't have peace at a macro or even a micro level is that there's not enough sacrificing There's not enough giving up. And so here's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. And that is, am I lacking a sense of peace in some area in my life? I want you to consider this and think about this. Am I lacking a sense of peace in some area of my life? Maybe it's a lack of peace in my home or in my marriage or in another important relationship in my life? Am I lacking peace at work? Am I lacking peace at school? Is there some area of my life where I am lacking peace? And if that's the case, then I think we have to take a deep look within and consider, is there another level of sacrificing for me? And I think we've all got to consider this. Which brings us to today, and I'm really glad that you're here as we continue our series, Unwrapping the Perfect Gift. 
And the question that we've been asking each week is, what actually makes a gift perfect? And if you were describing that to someone, what would you say? You know, at this time of the year, maybe especially at this time of the year, we often say, you know, it's really not about the gifts. But let's be honest, it really is about the gifts, isn't it? And that's okay, because gifts are fun, and gifts are meaningful. And so what we've said so far is that a perfect gift is intentional, meaning somebody thought about this gift. And if I receive a perfect gift, and if I open that up and say, wow, that was a perfect gift for me, I'm communicating to everybody. Somebody thought about this. Somebody knew me and what I needed or what I wanted. They were intentional with this gift. We also talked about how a perfect gift is celebrated, meaning that it brings joy and it brings emotion. So a perfect gift, you can describe it this way. It is intentional and it is also celebrated. Well, here's our big idea for today. And that is a perfect gift is sacrificial, meaning it costs something. So a perfect gift is intentional, it is celebrated, but a perfect gift is also sacrificial. It costs someone something. Okay, it's story time. When I was in seventh grade, I remember having a very difficult time with my grades. I was just not succeeding in almost every class. In particular, I was having a very difficult time in science class. And in that particular class, I was actually failing. And I can remember the teacher, his name was Mr. Ferguson, and he always wore a lab coat. That's just what he had on all of the time. And I was scared to death of Mr. Ferguson. And I started to get really poor grades in this class. And so my operating procedure at that time was just to shut down. Like, it makes no sense to put effort into this class. I'm not going to pass, so why even bother? Well, that didn't sit well with Mr. Ferguson and his lab coat. And so he decided to call my parents to say, look, I'm having an issue with Eric. He's got a bad attitude in the class. He's not trying. He's failing, and I need your help. So, of course, now my parents are on high alert and they have to go in and have a conference with Mr. Ferguson. So my parents go on that particular day, and I knew this was happening. They're meeting with Mr. Ferguson in his lab coat, probably, even for the teacher-parent conference, and they're having this conversation, and I know the heat is coming. So my parents come home, and I expect them just to lay into me and give me all kinds of lectures about my attitude and my poor attempts at doing well in this class. Instead, they said this, we're going to make a deal with you. Like, wow, a deal sounds great. What's the deal? And my parents said, here's the deal. If you just move your grade from here, which was failing, to here, and I don't even remember what here was. It was just a little bit better than failing. So if you can move from here to here in your grade, we're going to do this for you. We're going to get you that bicycle that you have been wanting for a long time, and you've been looking at that particular shop that's your favorite bike shop where we live, and you've been going there with your dad, and you've been drooling over that bike. We're going to get that bike for you. 
And I remember taking all of this in and saying, no, that can't be happening. You mean to tell me if I just try a little bit harder and I improve and I don't have this bad attitude with Mr. Ferguson and his lab coat that you're going to go out and you're going to get me that bike, the bike that I really want. And they said, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So you know what I did for the next several weeks, right? And I gave it my best. I studied like I have never studied before. I put in my best effort. I even went in and talked to Mr. Ferguson with his lab coat, even though I was scared to death of him. And I asked him questions, and he helped me out a little bit. And I studied as hard as I possibly could. I dug deep within. I believed in myself. I reached for the sky. (laughs) And wouldn't you know, the day of reckoning came, and I missed the grade. I didn't get it. And I remember being very disappointed with that because I knew it meant no bike. Like the whole deal is off. My parents said, if you do this, you're going to get the bike. I tried. I believed. I did everything I possibly could. I gave it my best effort, and I still missed the mark. So I came home and shared that with my parents, and they said, you know what? You tried really hard. That's awesome. Good for you. Still very disappointed, though. I go to school the next day, and I return home. And as I walk into the house, there in the living room is the bike, the bike that I had wanted, the bike that I was dreaming about. But I knew it would be nearly impossible to get because it was very expensive, and I thought it would just never happen for a very long time. And I missed the mark on getting the right grade to receive the bike, but there it is, in the living room, the bike in all of its glory. And I went to my parents, and I said, what's the deal here? And they said, well, we know that you worked hard, and you gave it your best effort, and so we want you to have the bike. I actually think what happened is my parents bought the bike, thinking I would get the grade, (laughs) and it was now just too much of a pain to take it back, so they wanted to give it to me, which worked out for me. I learned a couple of things from that experience. One of the things that I learned is that when you have an older sister who gets perfect grades and just falls into them naturally and she watches all of this unfold and how you get an amazing expensive gift for not even doing what you were supposed to be doing, that doesn't sit well with older sisters. And even to this day, my sister will remind me, hey, do you remember that whole deal with the bike? And I'm like, yeah, I remember the deal with the bike. I also learned this. I learned to appreciate the sacrifice of my parents. It was a perfect gift for me. And I knew that it cost a lot. And when I received that, I knew they were being intentional. And there was celebration. But I also understood that they sacrificed in a great way. And that's because a perfect gift is sacrificial. That's just what it is. If you have a Bible or a device with you, I want you to find John chapter 12. This is the paragraph that we're going to unpack this morning. And it perfectly illustrates what I'm speaking about, and that is how a perfect gift is sacrificial. And who better to look to than the life 
and the example of Jesus. And so we're going to look into his life today and something that happened to him. And I want you to be thinking about how perfect gifts, they're sacrificial. And when we become sacrificial, there are some incredible things that can and should happen to us. So John chapter 12, when you get there, what you're going to discover is that Jesus is an adult. So this is not a story about his birth. This is not a story about Jesus being a baby or growing as a young child. He is a full-grown man at this time, and he has been teaching and serving and helping people, and crowds were attracted to Jesus because he had really unique things to say. And people knew that he helped. And so what's happening in John chapter 12 is that Jesus is an adult here, but he's not really ministering to the crowds. He's actually enjoying a dinner party with some friends. And while he's having a great feast, there is something that happens. Okay, chapter 12, verse 1. Here we go. Six days before the Passover celebration began... Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Now, I can't help but wonder, what were those conversations like between Jesus and Lazarus? Like, Lazarus, how you feeling today? Well, Jesus, I'm feeling a whole lot better thanks to you. To which Jesus may have responded, well, you look like a mess the last time I saw you. You're looking really good now. Keep up the good work. I'd like to think that may have been something that happened. It's just kind of interesting. Verse 2. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary enters the scene, and here's what she does. She took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. Okay. Expensive perfume. That makes sense to us, right? We get that. We understand that. What is the essence of nard? And imagine with me for a moment that you go into Macy's later today and you walk up to the perfume counter and whoever is working it, you say to them, get me some of that essence of nard. Yeah, I want that for my wife. (laughs) Essence of nard. Well, security is probably going to carry you out of the store because that's an odd request. Expensive perfume we get, and that's what Mary had. What in the world is the essence of nard? Well, nard was a liquid perfume distilled from odorous plants and then mixed with oil. And then that concoction was placed in boxes or jars and it was sold. And it was a very expensive item. Very costly. And so Mary has this expensive perfume. It's mixed with the essence of nard. And here's what happens. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. (laughs) I love what happens in verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, The disciple who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. Now, you can picture this whole scenario, can't you? You've got Mary and 
Martha, and they have this wonderful spread for Jesus, and Mary comes out with this 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume mixed with the essence of nard, and she just pours it all out over the feet of Jesus. And then Judas. Judas observes this and pulls out all of his spreadsheets. Not that spreadsheets are bad. They're actually good. But you can imagine, Judas has all of the spreadsheets out, and he begins to look at all of this. He lowers his glasses to the end of his nose and begins to do all of the figuring. Because this is how you do figuring, right? And he gets to the end of all of that, and he says, Wow! Wow! That was a really expensive gift. He's evaluating all of this, and he knows some things, and he's running all of the figures, and he comes to the conclusion that this is really expensive. And then he says this, it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. It sounds like a great thing to say, right? Except John provides some commentary for us, and he was there to observe this and to know this as a writer. And so he says in verse 6, not that he speaking of Judas, cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. That almost sounds like a harsh statement, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus saying, look, you're always going to have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Does Jesus not care about the impoverished and their needs and how they might be able to receive help? And maybe Judas is onto something here. Maybe that expensive gift should have been sold and the proceeds should have gone to others who had great need. What's really happening here? Well, it's incredible because Jesus knew the motives of Judas. And he knew that Judas's motives were not pure. And when you look into the life of Jesus and when you read page after page, you come to a solid conclusion that he cared deeply for the impoverished. The point that Jesus is making here is that the sacrifice of Mary was worth the cost. It was worth it. And Jesus didn't stop her. Jesus didn't ignore that. As a matter of fact, he encouraged her in front of everyone else with the fact that this extravagant sacrifice was worthy of the cost. See, a perfect gift is sacrificial. Mary got it, Jesus got it, I'm sure others in the room understood that, even though Judas and perhaps a few of his buddies were questioning all of this, Mary understood it, and she acted in an appropriate way, extravagantly sharing that with Jesus, and he didn't stop it at all. So, based on John chapter 12, there are some thinking points that kind of fall out of this. First of all, gratitude drove the sacrifice. 
Mary was just really grateful for what Jesus had done and for what Jesus was doing. And that gratitude in her life for what was happening and what had happened to her brother Lazarus and the incredible things that Jesus shared with them. Gratitude drove her sacrifice. Let me ask you this. What are you grateful for? I really want you to wrestle with that for a few moments. What is happening in your life right now that you can be grateful for? Sometimes I think we struggle with this. I I know that I do. And I can become very ungrateful as I look out and long for things that I don't have or it's stuff that I wish I could enjoy. And then there's individuals that I look at and I'm not very happy with them. And you even begin to pick on them and you're no longer grateful for the people closest to you. Instead, you're identifying things that they should change in their lives because you want to help them and you want to be a part of that solution. But all of this ingratitude, all of this looking and picking keeps us from being very grateful And when we're not in that grateful lane, it becomes nearly impossible to sacrifice for other people, especially those who don't deserve it. It's just not going to happen. What are you grateful for? Even in the midst of pain and hurt and suffering and whatever may be happening in your life that you don't like, what is it that you can be grateful for? Mary's gratitude drove her sacrifice. She connected the two, and then she gave extravagantly, and she didn't care what people thought. She just didn't care. It didn't matter. Gratitude drove the sacrifice. Secondly, the gift was expensive. It cost something. Judas did his calculations, and he came to the conclusion, this was a year's wages. That's a lot. I mean, this was a big deal for Mary to give that up. But again, Jesus didn't stop her. It was appropriate. It was. The gift was expensive. And then thirdly, what others saw as reckless, Jesus saw as beautiful. What others saw as crazy and irresponsible and too much, Jesus saw as beautiful. What others saw as being very irresponsible Jesus saw as being responsible and worthy of the cost. So I've noticed this about myself. It's very easy to talk myself out of sacrificing. And maybe that happens to you too. It's just really easy to talk yourself out of sacrificing your time and sacrificing your stuff and your money. You can quickly dismiss all of that and even feel pretty good about it. And it sounds like this. You know, I can't sacrifice my time because I'm just low on energy right now and I don't have the time to give and this is a really busy season for me right now and I just cannot sacrifice my time. Or sometimes I say to myself, I don't want to sacrifice my stuff. I don't want to sacrifice my money because there might not be enough for me. It can be very easy to talk ourselves out of sacrificing. And when we do that, we often settle for something less than what God may desire. And that's kind of a sad thing when you think about it. So what do we do about this? Here's some takeaways. 
First of all, choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. Church, choose gratitude. It's December 20th, 2015, and choose gratitude. Let me ask you, has it been a tough week? Has it been a tough year? Have you had a tough life? Choose gratitude over cynicism. As challenging as that may be, choose gratitude over cynicism. Have you had a good week? A good year? Has it been a wonderful life for you? That's great. Just choose gratitude over pride. And we do this because this is what drives us to sacrificing in an appropriate way. And if we're not grateful for something, we won't sacrifice for anything at all. It just won't happen. So choose gratitude. As you embark on this week and everything that's happening and all of the good that you hope to experience and maybe even some of the stuff that you're regretting and you're not looking forward to as that just kind of depends on your unique situation and your family, let me encourage you to choose gratitude. Choose gratitude over cynicism and choose gratitude over pride. Secondly, take a risk for God. Is there a reckless thing that you can do for God, that others may question, but you know it's the right thing to do, and you know it's what God wants for you? Take a risk. Take a risk. Is there something there that you know you should be doing, but you're perhaps fearful of the responses of the Judases in your life who hang out in the shadows, and you know they're going to roll their eyes and question and pull out spreadsheets and talk you out of whatever risk or sacrifice that might be. Look, we all have those individuals in our lives. The encouragement and challenge today is to don't fear stepping into that risk. And that could look like a number of different things. Maybe it's a financial gift to our Christmas initiative where we're just seeking to give away a lot to kids in need. And maybe God's been whispering into your heart about a gift and about an amount and you're kind of talking yourself out of that sacrifice for whatever reason. Don't be afraid to take that risk. Maybe it's packing a bag of groceries for the Sunday breakfast mission. You know, maybe it's sacrificing a lot of time and slowing the pace so you can give energy and effort to the people who are a part of your world who desperately need you and your thoughts and your wisdom and your insight and your love and compassion and sacrifice. Maybe it's sacrificing a little bit of time for a child or a grandchild, or maybe it's sacrificing that hurt in order to choose forgiveness. The cost could be great, but it is not something to fear. Mary had no fear. As a matter of fact, I think someone was coaching here. Mary, no fear, no fear, no fear. And she was willing to take that 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume with the essence of nard and extravagantly share that with Jesus, even though there were others hanging out in the corners of the room, rolling their eyes and saying she should have done something different. She didn't care. And I would encourage you, as I encourage myself, take that risk. Man, 
man, if God has planted something in your heart about a sacrifice, whatever that may look like, don't fear the cost. Take that risk. And then thirdly, don't miss the one who sacrificed for you in all of the activity of this week. Don't forget about and don't miss the one who sacrificed for you. See, Jesus is that perfect gift. And his life is one big story of giving up for you and giving up for me. And let's not miss the one who sacrificed for all of us. A perfect gift is sacrificial. The perfect gift of Jesus was sacrificial. Father, we're so thankful for some time this morning to look into this incredible story found in John chapter 12. And God, it's not a story about the birth of Jesus or what happened to him as an infant. It's a story of what he encountered and what he experienced from the life of somebody else who was taking a risk and being very sacrificial. And they were grateful, and their gratitude drove their sacrificing, and they just didn't care. Mary did not care what other people thought. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us as we walk through the rest of this Christmas season here. Would you help us to identify what we're grateful for? God, sometimes it seems like that should be easy at this time of the year, but often it is not. It can be the most challenging time to be grateful. And if we don't get in that grateful lane, we will not sacrifice for you, and we will not sacrifice for others. It just will not happen. And God, I don't think we can afford to let another season go by where we're not sacrificing the way you want us to. So, God, would you just challenge each and every one of us as we consider what it is that you want us to walk away with. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed, your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe for you today, as you embark on this week and all of the events and the festivities maybe you just need to take a moment and right now choose gratitude before you walk out of here before all of the craziness happens and the celebrating maybe you just need to right now in this place quiet your heart and choose gratitude because without that we're not going to sacrifice talk to God about that for a moment Maybe you're here and God has been talking to you about taking a risk. And whatever that might be, it's going to be different for every person in here. But maybe God's been planting some things in your heart and you've been avoiding that and maybe even talking yourself out of that risk. Because you just don't have the time or there won't be enough for you. Would you talk to God about that? And ask him to give you no fear like Mary, and that you would be willing to extravagantly sacrifice. Maybe you're here, 
and the thought, the concept of Jesus helping you to have peace with God and peace with others is intriguing to you. And you've never trusted in Jesus alone to save or rescue you. And that burden is growing inside of you. And that's something you want. And you want him to lead your life. You want him to rescue you from what's been happening to you. And I want to encourage you right now in the quietness of this place, from your heart to his ears, just talk to him and say something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed up my life. I know that I'm not perfect. He already knows that about each and every one of us, but he loves when we acknowledge that. So just tell him. And then let him know that you want the gift of Jesus. You want to open this most intentional, celebrated, sacrificial gift. God sent his son to die in your place, to pay the price for your sins, for my sins, for our sins. And then he rose again, conquering death, assuring us that we can have a right relationship with God and be at peace with him. And just tell him right now that you want to trust in the gift, the sacrifice of Jesus for you. And you don't want to add anything to that because there's nothing you can add. It's a gift. It's meant to be enjoyed and open. And this is what God extends to us with Jesus. Just tell God right now, you're trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus for you. And thank him for rescuing you. It's what he's done. It's what he offers. Thank him for saving you. God, we're grateful for a time to pause and to think. And as we consider that holy night so many years ago, that divine event, God, I pray that it would be more than just a historical thing, that it would be more than just stuff that happened so many years ago. It would actually be something that changes us today. God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can choose gratitude. And because of that sacrifice, we can risk. We can sacrifice as well. And you welcome that. You applaud that. You lift it up. God, for those who have never trusted in the one whose life is one big story of giving up and sacrifice and peace, I pray that today you give them the courage to respond to you and that they may walk out of here with true peace in their hearts and in their lives. God, would you bless us now as we just continue to respond to you and think about everything that you have for us. We're thankful for the perfect gift of Jesus that was intentional and celebrated and sacrificial. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.